0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I got to get into this today because it's stirring in my spirit. These four enemies of your nonstop victory, the devils used the same things for thousands of years to try to come against God's people. Now, one thing I want to say right at the beginning of this session today is you've got to know, you've got to know that victory is your portion. You have to know it. You know, it's not like, you know, I'll I'll be happy if that happens for me, but you know, you never know what life brings. That can't be your mindset. In fact, that deals with a little bit from yesterday because that's, that's a little bit of doubt and unbelief creeping in. You know, I don't know if it's for me. I don't know. Don't be double-minded about this because uh, the Bible actually tells us in the book of James chapter one that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways and that kind of a person should not expect to receive anything of the Lord or from the Lord. Now that's James chapter one, verses six through eight. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you don't want instability in your life. You don't want instability in your Christian walk. You want a firm foundation. You want to be stable in your faith, knowing that you can receive from the Lord. You know, it's like even when Jesus dealt with that man who brought his demon possessed son to be healed. Right. And, uh, he said, how long has this happened to him? He said, it's for his whole life since he's been young, demon throws him into the fire and into the water. But then the, the, the father says, but if, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, please help us. If you can do anything. It's like, hold on a second. What do you mean? And I, I like that because if you read Jesus response in more modern translations uh, it'll say something like, "What do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? In fact, um and I think I think the uh, ESV renders it in a way where Jesus repeats his words uh rhetorically as though they're ridiculous. you know, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, Mark chapter nine, please help us and Jesus uh says if you can exclamation point if you can exclamation point. like Jesus is repeating his words to him he said if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us and Jesus mark 9:23 if you can all things are possible for one who believes so so there it is Jesus points back to faith what do you mean if i can new living i believe says what do you mean if i can what do you mean if i can See, he's standing in front of the miracle worker. He's standing in front of the deliverer, the healer. What do you mean if I can? All things are possible to the one who believes. See, you can't be, and then again, if you read the passage, the the father says, I believe, help my unbelief, right? Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So you can't be double-minded. You have to have a, a single mind on what God has planned for your life. What is your portion, your inheritance? And you have to uh, get that in your spirit. Victory is my portion. In fact, I saw some people starting to write it in the comments. Write it in the comments, put it in your notes. Victory. In fact, don't just write victory. Do it like we put it in the title. Non-stop victory is my portion. Hallelujah. Non-stop victory is my portion. Because it's nice to have a victory... But it's even better to stay in the anointing and live in nonstop victory. Much better. Stay in the anointing and stay in nonstop victory after victory after victory. The Bible tells us he takes us from grace unto grace, faith unto faith, victory unto victory. Christ has given us the victory. That's what Paul wrote. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. First Corinthians 15 and verse 57. That's a good one to remember. And quote, thanks be unto God, who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing just on that. Hey, Frank Bartholomew, it was great to have you on prayer last night. Excellent praying. I felt faith on it. I'm telling you that God is raising up people that are not satisfied with the status quo. You know, we had the women praying last night. We had the men praying last night and faith was on it, man. I mean, strong faith. And we just keep seeing answered prayer after answered prayer, testimony after testimony, because we serve a prayer answering God. Amen. And I thank God for every faithful person connected. Even on these prayer teams, man, we're seeing God move. We're seeing God move. So we have to know it is my portion. It is my portion. Victory, nonstop victories, my inheritance. It's my portion. Hallelujah. And so you have to get that as your mindset. Well, if you know that's true, then what is the devil trying to use to keep us back from nonstop victory? Well, number one, we dealt with it yesterday, a spirit of doubt and unbelief. What were the things I covered yesterday that the devil did at the very beginning of time with Eve in the garden? Number one, he had, did God really say, first, he questioned God's word, right? Questioned God's word. Then what did he do? Manipulated God's word because he changed what God said. Then he contradicted God's word. And what did that lead to? Disobeying God's word. So notice that he questioned it. He manipulated it, he contradicted it, and that lead, led to disobeying it. Did God really say? That's how the devil operates. He, he wants to make you and me question God's holy word, and I refuse to. I refuse to do that. I refuse to do that. Praise God. Nancy said, We had instant healing on the prayer line last night. Thank you, Jesus. Instant healing. As the women were praying last night, God's doing the work and the devil doesn't want it to happen. The devil doesn't want us seeing these victories. He does not want it. And so he tries to get us to question the word. Then he manipulates the word. Then he contradicts the word to try to get us to disobey the word. It's not going to happen. We're not falling for that trap. And if you missed it, go back and watch yesterday's broadcast. It'll help you. We're going to put this whole series in a YouTube playlist at the end. You'll be able to go back and reference through it, just like you did with Spirit of Faith sessions and the Dominion over the Devil. These will help you. But notice, this is the second thing I want to deal with today that the Devil uses and has used for thousands of years to try to steal nonstop victory. Are you ready? Number two, it is the spirit of fear. It's not just doubt and unbelief. It is a spirit of fear. More people than ever before are dealing with a spirit of fear. More than ever before. It is a mind-blowing thing that that, uh, that fear, that heaviness, that depression, all those things that hit people today, it's, it's more than ever before. The numbers have uh, going, gone up, up, up. And now it's the number one prescribed medication in the United States. It has surpassed heart medication. What antidepressants because people are anxious. They're fearful. They're depressed. It has a, it has hit them as an attack from the devil and fear is a spirit. The Bible says so it's a spirit that tries to attack you and you take authority over it by the power of the Holy ghost. Fear is a spirit that tries to attack you to keep you from what? Nonstop victory. And we refuse to give in to a spirit of fear. Amen. There are some things just to keep it. I know you've probably heard this before, um, because, but I'll say it again, because it's something people can remember. I didn't come up with this. It's been around for a long time, but people turn fear into an acronym. If you've heard that. People have turned the word fear into an acronym that stands for false evidence appearing real. And that's just kind of easy for people to remember because of the acronym. But false evidence appearing real. What does that mean? Sometimes the devil will get you to fear things that haven't even happened. They've not even happened. They're not even around. They're just, it's something that's in your mind. It's a lie that he's told you. This is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to face. This is what's going to come on your family. This is what you're going to be dealing with. False evidence appearing real. It's not even there. It's not even happening. But he's got people fearing that it's going to happen. Fearing that it's going to happen. But see, if I believe the word of God, that's the truth. That's the evidence. That's the truth. Amen. And so I refuse to believe these lies of the devil see and, and i know this this is the holy ghost victory tribe uh nancy we had so many people say that yesterday i even had people text in and write on on instagram and nancy saying the same i so need this message today we had people saying that yesterday people writing in <clears throat> on social media let me tell you the holy spirit knows what we need he knows what we need so praise god but God, and I'm going to, ha- I'm going to start with you today. Second Timothy chapter one, you know, this verse, but let's hit it hard. Let it get in your spirit, absorb this, absorb this into your spirit. Second Timothy chapter one, Paul is writing to his son in the gospel, Timothy, right? And he says this, and I want to read two verses to you from this passage, six and seven, because there's something I want you to catch out of this passage Second Timothy one verses six and seven verse six says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So notice there is a gift in Timothy. And previously he refers to what was in his grandmother, what was in his mother. And now it is surely in him. But then he received another gift gift on top of his generational faith by the laying on of Paul's hand. So the gift was in him. But isn't it uh, interesting to you? It was Timothy's responsibility to stir up that gift, glory to God. It was Timothy's responsibility to stir up that gift. So just because he had faith, just because he had a gift doesn't mean it was going to just kick into cruise control. And take over automatically. Paul said it's your responsibility Timothy. To stir up that gift. That is within you. That came through the laying on of my hands. Morning Hunter. Verse 7 says for God. Gave us a spirit. Not of fear. Glory to God. Not of fear. But of power. Glory to God. Love and self control. That's blessing me right there. That's it, Liz. <clears throat> Put it in the comments too. Put it in your notes. It's my responsibility to stir up the gift. It is my responsibility to stir up the gift. And yes it is. Thank you Jesus. So notice there's every one of us is filled with God's spirit. Every one of us is filled with God's power. The Holy Spirit seals your salvation. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right? So every one of us, it's not like there's some kind of class system in the kingdom of God where there's some people up here, others down here and no, no, we all are renewed. We're all new creatures in Christ Jesus. We all have the Holy spirit living within us. We are the temple of the Holy ghost. He seals our salvation, but yes, there are levels of faith and yes, there are levels of maturity, but we all have the same Holy ghost and we all have the same salvation. We all have the same covenant. We all have the same forgiveness and the blood of Jesus that's at work in our lives. See? And so don't let the devil tell you that you're lesser than some other believer. You're not. You have that same Holy Ghost. So yes, you're filled with the anointing. But just because we're filled with the anointing doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to stir up our gifts. We've got to stir up the Holy Ghost within us. In fact, one way that uh, Jude tells us that we can do that. The 20th verse of Jude is that we can stir up our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Stir up our most holy faith, hallelujah, by what? Praying in the Holy Ghost, by praying in the Holy Ghost. So there's that's one way to do it, that you can begin to pray in the spirit and stir your faith up. It doesn't give you more faith, it just stirs up. I always tell people it's like this. If you ever played sports, you know that you don't just show up to practice or show up to the game or the, the track meet or whatever you did. You don't just show up and just start playing. There's always a warm up period. There's always, we're gonna stretch out. We're gonna warm up. You know, when you, even if you show up to practice, I played basketball. for a bunch of years, even if it was a practice, we got our stuff on and then we came out on the court and we had a whole team, uh, period where we were just stretching, just warming up. What are you doing? Stretching out those muscles, getting them ready for action, right? I'm stretching. I am warming up. What am I doing? Getting those muscles ready to be used. I always use that as an example. When you're praying in the spirit, Paul said to the Corinthians, you're edifying yourself. You're stirring yourself up. Jude said, you're building up your most holy faith. You're not giving yourself more faith. You're just stretching out. You're just warming up and getting your faith ready for action. That's what you're doing. And of course, one of the things you're doing is stirring up that gift. Well, as you stir up that gift, you're preparing yourself for what God's called you to do. If you allow that spirit of fear to, to attack you and to take control, it will literally hold you back from doing the thing God's asked you to do. It'll hold you back from the thing God's asked you to do. So we don't have a spirit of fear, but notice what we have instead, power and love and self control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Julie. Julie. Look at that power. I've got a, you've got, I've got a spirit of power. Woo! What is that spirit? Holy ghost. That's the Holy ghost. That is the same power. What did Jesus say? You shall receive power after the Holy ghost has come upon you. So that spirit of power, I actually heard a preacher say this one time, <clears throat> you know, the Bible says here, it's a spirit of fear, but you know, it's fear not really a spirit. Because if you read this in context, then if fear was a spirit, then power, love, and self-control also have to be spirits in context. Well, look at it and know they are spirits. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the spirit of power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He's the spirit of power. But what about love? The Bible says, now God is a spirit. God is a spirit, 2 Corinthians 3. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But that's not all. 1 John tells us God is love. So God is a spirit and God is love. Love is a spirit called God. It's Jehovah. And then what about self-control? Self-control is a gift, or excuse me, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't have Uh, self-control like the Bible's talking about without the Holy Spirit. So yes, fear is a spirit. So are all the other three, power, love, and self-control, or some translations say a sound mind. Hallelujah. They are spirits. And so we have a spirit of power. We have a spirit of love. We have a sound mind or self-control. I refuse. I've got the, uh, Ability by the Holy Ghost to control this mind and to control this flesh. It doesn't run me. I run it by the power of the Holy Ghost. The flesh, Paul said, I put my body under or subdue it on a daily basis. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I put my body under. I subdue my flesh on a daily basis. So if Paul had to do it, We definitely have to do it to take authority over our flesh. Amen. But then what does Paul encourage the churches? Set your mind on things above, right? Set your mind on things above. Whatsoever is good and perfect, right? Whatever has merit, whatever has virtue, think on these things. So Paul's making it very clear. You have the ability to choose what you dwell on, you have the ability to choose what you meditate on, you have the ability to set your mind. So not only can you subdue your flesh, you can set your mind on things above. Amen. And I know that Joyce Myers taught that for years, but the uh, the mind is the battlefield. The mind is the battlefield. And so you do take authority over your thoughts. In fact, Paul was very clear about this We take every thought captive, make it a prisoner, and we make it obey Jesus Christ. Ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, that's something you should write down. I am empowered to take wrong thoughts captive. I am empowered to take wrong thoughts captive. You can imprison wrong thoughts, according to the Paul, Paul's teaching to the Corinthians, and you can make them obey Jesus Christ. Julie Sullivan says, taking authority over my thoughts got me my healing from cancer. Hallelujah. That's it. You don't allow those lies to take over and tell you what's going to come to pass. You take authority over those thoughts. Well, that's what Paul was saying. And he said it to the Corinthians in, uh, second Corinthians 10 and verse five, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So Paul said, we don't even allow, uh, lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? His word. If it comes against this lofty opinions That contradict this. We, no. Paul said, what do we do to those? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So I'm not run by my thoughts. My thoughts submit to me. I submit myself to God. And then I take authority over my thoughts and my flesh. Right? And so, yes, the enemy will try to send this spirit of fear to try to hinder you, to try to keep you from walking in faith, to try to keep you from nonstop victory, you've got authority over a spirit of fear. Amen. You've got authority over the spirit of fear. And according to scripture, the Bible says we don't even have that spirit. We have power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. Now, the same spirit of faith that we talked about, That same spirit of faith that's activated in you empowers you to overcome the spirit of fear, same spirit of faith. In fact, that gift of faith in action in your life, it'll make you act different. You know, people, they can't even understand why you would be the way you are, how you react the way you are uh, and the way you do when things happen. They can't understand it in the natural realm. They don't get it. They don't get it. They're like, how can you be so calm with all this stuff going on? How are you? They'll start to think you're irresponsible, that you're so calm, you need to be worried more. You need to worry more about what's happening. It's not that I, I don't know what's happening. It's that I've got a word from God that keeps me in perfect peace, hallelujah. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts. You talk about the gift of faith working in somebody's life and keeping them in a place of supernatural peace. Hallelujah. Hey, Pastor Danny Haas, it's Acts chapter 12. You talk about a spirit of faith and a spirit of peace. We're getting ready to see that in action right here in Acts chapter 12, because here's a story where it would be very easy for anybody in this situation to be in full anxiety, full fear mode, panic mode, you know. Just going nuts. but I want you to see this. I will start reading with the first verse, and I'll just, I'm going to read to the sixth verse, just to show you this. Uh, Acts 12:1 is where I'm starting. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church, persecution. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Killed him. So he executed a Christian. And look at verse 3. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Hmm. Very interesting. So look at this. He persecuted the church, killed a Christian. And now he's saying, you know what? If that pleased the Jews, let's go grab a more prominent Christian, the apostle Peter, and let's get him. He, he arrested Peter also. And this was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers, four squads to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Hmm. What do you think they were going to do? If they thought that pleased the Jews, if you thought that pleased the Jews, wait till we execute a prominent Christian, Peter. We'll see how pleased they are then. So Peter was kept in prison. Look at this now. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verse 6 is so interesting to me. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Now look at this. This is mind-blowing to me. In the night before Herod brings him out, who knows, to execute him, persecute him. The night before this is all set to happen, we get in the scene, And here's Peter soundly sleeping between the guards. (laughs) You talk about a spirit of peace. You talk about a spirit of faith. That's what's happening here. Peter is operating in a pure spirit of faith and peace. That though it looks like you might be executed in a few hours, he's not up pacing around the jail. He's not up, you know, calling everybody on the, he's, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sleep. Hallelujah. I mean, it brings you back to the the story, doesn't it? When Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side on the boat. They get out in the ocean and on the sea. And Jesus goes, lays his head on a pillow in the hinder parts of the ship and goes to sleep. And the storm rises up. That is so violent that men who spent their lives on the sea are positive. We're about to die. But instead of that, instead of jumping up from the back of the ship, even though there might've been thunder, there might've been rain, there might've been waves crashing over the side, Jesus never woke up. Spirit of faith all over. You know why? He had already said, let us pass over to the other side. And if he said we're passing over, then we're passing over. What storm is going to make Jesus a liar? What storm? Is going to make Jesus a liar. What storm. Is going to make Jesus a liar. Let me encourage you today. I'm talking to you now. What storm. Is going to make Jesus a liar. If God said he was going to take care of you. What storm. Is going to make Jesus a liar. And so here is Peter. Bound. Chains. Guards. But he's dead asleep. I'm talking. So sound. So sound. He is sleeping. Look what happens. Verse seven. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, think about that. You know, it's a sound sleep. You're, you're like way out in sleep when an angel can walk into your room with a bright light that's shining everywhere. Listen, if I'm sleeping in a room and somebody comes in and just turns the overhead lights on, that's enough to wake me out of sleep. Like, you know, you, you sit up wonder, what are you turning the lights on for? What's going on? Right? Why, why are you turning the lights on while I'm sleeping? That's enough to wake me up. Think about angelic, heavenly light. That when that angel walked into the cell, the Bible says, the light shone in the cell. Angelic, heavenly light. It's greater. That's why, you know, these angels, when they would reveal themselves to people. uh, It's funny, like somebody tried to argue with me on social media the other day. Talking about angels. They said, you know, angels are just figurative in the Bible. Angels and demons are figurative. Here's an actual story where a literal angel walked into a literal jail cell and literally smacked Peter on the shoulder, (laughs) on the side, and woke him up. It's not figurative, it's not, it doesn't stand for something. There's an actual angel in the cell. You think about that with the light from heaven. And that doesn't even wake Peter up. Peter's still out, bright light, angel, angelic presence right next to him, still sleeping. He's gone. The angel literally had to strike him, had to strike him to wake him up. And the Bible says, the angel said, get up quickly and the chains Fell off his hands. I want you to see this. The the reason I'm pointing this story out is because here's Peter in one of the darkest moments of his life. Yet, there's such a peace on him. It's not a spirit of fear on him. It's a spirit of peace on him that he can sleep soundly. Let me just say this. And I want you to put this in the comments. Never forget this. Faith brings rest. Write that down. Put that in the comment section. Faith brings rest. Get that. Fear has torment, but faith brings rest. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Faith brings rest. So, So watch this now. There's a spirit of faith that will bring you into a spirit of rest and peace. You'll sleep soundly. You know, when you have fear, when you have anxiety, these things and keeps people up at night, they can't sleep soundly. They can't sleep well. They're sleeping lightly, always waking up, minds wandering, all these things. Fear hits them. Fear has torment, but faith brings rest. Glory to God. Faith brings rest. There's a rest in God. Hear me. Jesus Jesus said this you know in Matthew chapter 11. He said, "Are there any among you that are weary and heavy laden, carrying a heavy load?" He said, "Come unto me, and what? I'll give you a heavier load to carry if you want to be follow me. I'll give you a heavy no. He said, "Come unto me, and I will give you rest." Thank you Jesus for rest. I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, And my burden is light for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Come unto me. Do you have an issue? Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? I'll give you rest. Thank you, Jesus for rest. So faith has rest and it brings rest. The same man who was in this cell, the same man who was about to be executed is the same man who wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter, the Apostle Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, you know he had an understanding of it, and he writes by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what does he say? 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, So that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. See that casting all your fears, your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. He's the one that cares for you. He's the one that takes care of you. You know, I I really got... A revelation of this when I became a father. And um, we had our first daughter, Maddie, brought her home. I can remember still, it was 2010, um, and a snowstorm had hit Virginia Beach. Like we haven't seen, uh, I mean, it doesn't often happen like that. Three feet of snow in January of 2010 hit, and I'm at the hospital. And I, had, I remember I, I didn't even have an SUV then. I just had a car. Uh, and, I, and I was like, man, now on the day I got to bring my daughter home, the snow had hit so much that the roads, of course, you know, Virginia Beach is not properly prepared for those kind of snowstorms. So there's like sand on the, on the street and stuff. And, um, you know, the, the nurses, man, they make sure that, you know, that you have a car a carrier for your for your child, that you have the, the base that locks into the seat. They make sure you got everything before they let you leave with that baby. They make sure you know how to strap that baby in, you know, uh, into that car seat. And you know, we got Maddie wrapped up in like 19 blankets and her just all her, her little face is the only thing that's showing because it's so cold outside. And we're going down and I've got her in the carrier. And I opened the car door, put her in the back. I probably drove home at like 15 miles an hour <laughs> from the hospital back to our house. You know, it was like precious cargo in the car, snow everywhere. And so I probably drove home 15 miles an hour with my first drive with the child in the car. And, um, you know, as we saw the weeks go, and we went immediately on the road, revivals, but I would notice something. And this is where the Lord spoke to me. I would go into the room, or mom would go into the room, and there's Maddie in the crib. She's in her crib, and I would just pick her up. Mom would just pick her up, take her out of the crib, and then put her in that carrier that we had, strap her in, and then take her, put her in the car, take her where we were going. Uh, If she needed to eat, take her out of the crib, put her in her, we used to have something called a bumpo seat, (laughs) if you know what those are, the little foam, foamy bumpo seats that they can sit up, has a tall back so the babies aren't like falling all over the place and feed, right? Feed that child. And um, the Lord spoke to me as we were taking her in and out of that crib and putting her in the carrier, putting her in the seat and feeding her all this stuff. And the Lord spoke to me one day when I went in there to get her and said, did you ever notice that when you come into the room and go to get her out of the crib, that she's not in there worried about where you're gonna get the money Pay the mortgage on the house. Did you ever notice that she's not in her crib worrying about how you're going to make the car payment or the insurance? Did you ever notice she's not worried about where the food's going to come from? How you're going to have grocery money? The Lord started speaking this to me. He said, Notice that she just is coming to an understanding. If dad is there, if mom is there, then the provision will be there. If dad is there, He'll put me in the carrier. He'll take me where I need to go. He'll take me to the car. He'll take me to the kitchen. He'll take me and get me what I need. Notice that he'll dress me. He'll change me. Notice that was a picture of what true faith looks like. She's not in there worrying about how her father's gonna take care of her. She just knows the father's gonna take care of her. And that's that spirit of peace. That's casting all your cares all of your anxieties upon him, hallelujah. He is your heavenly father who loves you, who takes care of you. Jesus brought this out in Matthew chapter seven. And he said, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. But how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? And so we don't sit around worrying. In fact, in the previous chapter, Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, don't worry about the things sinners worry about. Don't worry about where you're going to sleep, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Your father in heaven knows you have need of these things. He takes care of you. And then he, he makes the comparison in the seventh chapter to earthly fathers versus our heavenly father. I mean, you're watching me today. If you're a parent or you're listening on the podcast and you're a parent, you know how much you enjoy blessing your children. It doesn't matter if it's their birthday, Christmas. You find reasons to just bless your kids. You have a love for your children, and you love to bless them. You love to see them blessed. Well, think about the fact you're an earthly parent. You're not a perfect parent like God is. And that's the point Jesus is making. As much as you love to bless your children, as much as you take care of your children, and now some of you, your grandchildren, how much more does your heavenly Father Know how to give good gifts to those who ask him. God's the one taking care of you. Hallelujah. Casting all your cares, your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. Hallelujah. I want you to put that in the comments. He's responsible to care for me. He's responsible to care for me. Thank you, Jesus. Faith brings rest. Faith brings rest. And so let me take you here now. Isaiah 26. Listen to this verse of scripture. If you don't have this highlighted in your Bible, put it in. Isaiah twenty-six three. The Bible says, you keep him in perfect peace. Who? The one whose mind is stayed on you because... He trusts in you. Let me say that again. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That's the fourth verse. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He does not move. He does not change. He is a sure foundation. He's an everlasting rock. Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Perfect peace. Why? My mind is stayed on him. I trust in him. And because I do, I got perfect peace in Jesus name. I've got perfect peace. I've got perfect peace. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what's the, what's the, one of the main ways that we can see this manifested in our lives. How do you combat that when the enemy uh, tries to come against you, tries to use that spirit of fear against you to steal your nonstop victory? See, because if you operate by fear, if you operate by fear, it will keep you from the blessing God has planned for your life. Just make up your mind right now. I refuse to make decisions that are motivated by fear. I refuse. Just make that up in your spirit. Make a vow to God. I refuse to make decisions that are motivated by fear. I'll not do it. I'll not do it. I will not make decisions that are motivated by fear. Amen. And so we're in Philippians chapter 4 and I'm going to show you what the Bible says. This is going to help you forever to stay clear, to stay free from that spirit of fear that tries to bind and harass. I refuse to make decisions that are motivated by fear. You know you've had a Bible for a while that when verses that you've highlighted have been highlighted for so long that the highlights are even beginning to fade. Philippians chapter four. Here's a command. Think about this. This is a command, not just from the apostle, from the Holy Spirit. A command from the, not the apostle. It's inspired by the Holy Ghost. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by what prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. So let me, uh, you know, and I've done, we've done uh, series on this before, uh, we even have a, a course in Miracle Word University uh, called Answered Prayer, where I break down even all the types of prayer that are in the Bible. If you've not checked out Miracle Word University, do so at miraclewordu.com. We have all those courses there for you to be a part of, and we made them very affordable. But one of those courses is called Answered Prayer, and I break down that there are multiple types of prayer in the Bible. It's not just prayer. You know, there's the prayer of intercession. There's the prayer of consecration. There's the prayer of faith. You know, there's multiple types of prayer. But notice what the Bible says here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. You know, and sometimes people read that and they don't quite know what that means. We know what thanksgiving is. We know what prayer is. But what is supplication? What is supplication? Because the Bible commands us in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Uh, supplication, and I'm just going to give you the, the dictionary definition so that you can get it in your spirit. It is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. Asking for something, and we know we don't have to beg God, but we're asking earnestly or humbly. Because not all prayer is you asking God for things, right? Some prayer is you telling God things, vowing things to God. Lord, I'm yours. Use me however you'd like to use me. That's a prayer of consecration. Not my will, but your will be done. That's a different type of prayer. Sometimes you're interceding on behalf of others, praying for them. Which I'll show you in a moment from Exodus. But here it says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. So I'm not just going to pray. I'm also so you know, let me let me say why why I'm, I'm teaching on this part. Because there are people that come to me often. This is not rare. I'll have people almost in every meeting that when we minister to people and lay hands on people, I'll ask them sometimes. What are you believing God for? What do you need God to do? And I'll have people that'll literally say, you know, no, you know, I just want others to be blessed. You know, I know there's others with much greater needs than I have. And I, you know, I don't want, I feel bad asking God to do something for me when there's so many others who have needs. No, that's not how it works you praying for something, you asking God for something, you're not stacking up papers on his desk that he's trying to get to over the weekend. You're not throwing God off because he has, oh man, now I've got more prayer requests after another week. No, God is able to do it and he, nothing's hard for him. And there's, they've got this false um, mindset that they shouldn't ask God for things like he's too busy, like he doesn't have time. Well, my needs are lesser listen, if they mean something to you, then they mean something to God. Do you think I don't care? Like what, what if my, 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 my little Brooklyn, my sweet little Brooklyn came to me yesterday crying, daddy, do you have peroxide? Do you have neosporin on a bandaid? I cut my finger. Oh, I look down and she's got this little cut on the end of her finger, you know, a little cut. You know, do you think that my heart was like, oh, that's not nothing big. You know, your arm's not chopped off. I don't need, you know, you think I care? No, if I see my little child that is crying, that is broken up, something's hurt her, something's bothered her, and I'll look, what does daddy do? Daddy will take that little finger and kiss that finger a hundred times and hug her and wipe her tears away and kiss her cheeks and tell her it's going to be okay and comfort her. You know, I'm not going to say that's not that big of a deal. You know, you still got your finger. You still got your arm. You know, don't don't come to me with this stuff unless it's serious. Like what kind of a father is going to do that? That's going to, you know, have some, your little child is crying in need, hurt themselves. And you're going to come to me and say, that's not that big of a deal. Don't bother me with this unless it's serious. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And that that's not how your God is. If it moves you, it moves him. And he wants to help you. He wants to help you. So you can't have that mindset. Well, others have much greater needs. Yes, they might. But God cares not only about their needs. He cares about your needs. We have, the Bible says, a high priest that is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And so we ask him. There's nothing wrong with presenting your needs to God and asking him. And the Bible says everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, look what happens after you pray and ask for things and thank God. Look what happens, verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to get this in your spirit today. Peace is a guard. In front of your heart and mind. You can put that in your uh, notes. You can put it in the comments today. Peace is a guard that's posted in front of your heart and your mind. It's not just peace that passes all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is a guard in front of your heart and your mind that does not allow the devil to come in and mess with you. How does that guard get set in place with prayer, thanksgiving, supplication, prayer, thanksgiving, supplication, prayer, thanksgiving, supplication. And what else? Filling yourself with the mighty word of God. Faith comes by hearing. I mean, as you've been listening to me right now, your faith is going to another level today. Your faith is going to another level today. Amen, because you're hearing the word of God taught today. So what's happening? The more you're hearing me teach, the more your faith is going to another level. Thank you, Jesus. When you join me on these broadcasts every morning, your faith is going to another level. Your faith is going to another level. Hallelujah. Just say it out loud. My faith is going to another level. My faith is going to another level. Yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely is. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus spoke when he was talking about the Holy Spirit coming, John 14, and commands us more than once, more than once. John 14, look at verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's a command. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Verse 27. Peace. I leave with you my peace. I give to you not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Glory to God. It's not just peace. He said, I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give you my peace. Do not that's, that's a command at least twice in one chapter. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. That's John. Chapter 14, verse one and John chapter 14, verse 27, John 14, one and John 14, 27. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm giving you my peace. Hallelujah. I'm giving you my peace. Your faith is going to another level today. Your peace is going to another level today. Your joy is going to another level today by the, the Holy ghost. Thank you, Jesus, by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I mean, I feel like shouting again all over, all over again. (laughs) Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Then Exodus chapter 33, I'll finish with this and we're going to pray. Exodus chapter 33. Moses is interceding for the people of Israel. He's interceding for the nation of Israel. In Exodus chapter 33, I'll start reading the verse 13 and Moses says, now, therefore, talking to God, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. <laughs> you know, Moses reminding God, don't forget Israel. They're your people. And, and God responds to Moses regarding the nation of Israel and says, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. Woo. Moses had the right idea. He said, and he, and he, said to him, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? so that we are distinct, glory to God, we're different than everybody else. I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. Notice what God said, I, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Let me tell you, when you activate God's presence in your life, there's a rest on that. There's a peace on that. There's a strength on that. There is a joy on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. We activate his presence by prayer. We activate his presence by his word. We activate his presence by praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. Brother Hagin used to preach a series called the Prayer and Praise Series. Glory. The prayer and praise series. The prayer and praise series. What was he teaching? They go together. They're like uh, twins. They go together. They're companions. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. You look back at uh, Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison. What did they do? And at midnight, they began to pray and sing praises unto God. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise, prayer, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, it, it reminds me that Brother Hagin had a vision one time, or he was re- recounting this vision, where he saw like the old scales, like the scales of justice, you know the scales I'm talking about, and he looked at this massive scale, and he saw one end of it was way up in the air, way up high, and the other end was weighted down to the ground, And when he looked at the side that was weighted down to the ground, he saw the word prayer in that scale. And he noticed that the prayer was heavy on that scale. But then the Lord showed him up in the top of the other side of the scale, way up in the sky. He saw the word praise, showing that the praise, the church's praise had been light. They'd been light on praise. And the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin and he said to him, When the church's praise equals its prayer, breakthrough will come. Hallelujah. When the church's praise equals its prayer, breakthrough will come. When the church's praise equals its prayer, then the breakthrough will come. It's not just prayer, it's praise. It's not just prayer. It's praise. I remember hearing Bishop David Oyadepo, pastor of the largest church in the world, saying this when he was talking about prayer and praise. And he said, "Pray, prayer is wonderful, but praise is the most powerful thing you can engage because he said, God only answers our prayers, but he lives in our praise. Woo! Glory to God. <laughs> that's it Jess Burton Miracle word church will always be in a good be in a good position there. yeah because we are praisers and we are prayers we are praisers and we are prayers notice that God answers our prayers but he lives he inhabits the praises of Israel that's what the bible says in Psalm 22 and verse 3 he inhabits he lives in he dwells in the praises of of Israel. I'll say this. Listen to this here. I told you about Peter being in jail today. Notice what the church was doing for him, praying. And when the church began praying, it caused God to send an angel to release Peter from prison. But when you get to Acts 16, four chapters later, and Paul and Silas are in prison, they not only prayed, they sang praises unto God. And the Bible declares that the prison just began to shake. No angel showed up. No angel showed up. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says, now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means chains had to break. Chains had to break. Doors had to come open. How are you going to keep God's people in prison when he shows up and he's the chain breaker? when he is the prison opener. And as they not only prayed, but praised God, God didn't have to send an angel. He showed up, shook the whole prison, opened every door, broke every chain. Hallelujah. You talk about a spirit of peace. You talk about a spirit of faith. That's what's operating. When you pray and when you praise, glory to God. When you pray and when you praise, when you, that's right, I agree with that, Gina. Gina said, start in the flesh and finish in the spirit. Your flesh doesn't want to uh, pray. Your your flesh doesn't want to praise God. Make it anyway. You don't always feel like lifting your hands. You don't always feel like shouting. You don't always feel like dancing. You don't always feel like that. But make your flesh submit to what the Bible says. (laughs) Amen. Clap your hands, all you people. Lift your hands, right? Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting unto God. Your flesh doesn't feel like obeying the word, but make your flesh obey the word anyway. Make it do what it should. Make that flesh submit until that spirit takes over and you begin to just rejoice. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And so I thank you today. And I'm praying. People said, this is for me. I need this today. Father, for every person watching who says, man, I needed this today. We thank you that we're walking today now in a new level of faith, in a new level of peace, in a new level of rest, in a new level of joy. We thank you that there's not one lying attack of the devil that can stop what you've called us to do. We thank you that we cannot be destroyed. We cannot be defeated. We thank you, Lord, that the mighty anointing of your spirit goes with us. And as you said to Moses, my spirit will go with you and I will give you rest. Glory to God. My spirit will go with you and I will give you rest. Lord, we thank you that you're you're not willing to do more for the nation of Israel under an old covenant than you would do for your children under a new covenant that's a better covenant established upon better promises. So Lord, we thank you. If you went with them, you're going with us. If you gave them rest, You're giving us rest by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guarding our hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. So, Lord, if there are those watching me today that the enemy has attacked their mind with a spirit of fear, anxiety attacks, panic attacks, depression, heaviness, I rebuke it today in the mighty name of Jesus. I command it to go and never come back again as we press into the anointing. We thank you, Lord, for it. We will have God's best nonstop victory in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. It belongs to us in Jesus' wonderful name. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you feel that, you receive that. I mean, whether you feel it or not, we don't go by how we feel. Lift your hands and begin to thank God. Throw some fire up, throw some hands up, and just begin to thank Him. Just begin to rejoice that it's yours, it is yours. The devil can't stop you, he can't steal your victory, he can't derail you, he can't move you off your purpose, your family's being touched, your mind is being touched, your body's being touched, your finances are being touched, everything around you, that's it, John Puma, we are victorious, we are victorious. Yes, Ava, I'm in victory, that's right, that's right. Come on, Tracy, amen. Janine said I want to run go ahead and run just give God praise Sue Waltz amen Suzanne amen I mean God's touching us Erica come on Ted Melton Julie Sullivan and John God is touching us today by his power we'll never be the same we'll never be the same after 2023 it's our year of transformation everything turning in our favor in Jesus mighty name that's it Britt. living in the overflow doors are opening Doors are opening. I'm praying again, Lord, for every person that uh, has a desire to move and be a part of Miracle Word Church. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to make a way for them. Make a way for them. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. We give you praise. Amen.